You're listening to Living Room on ReachMD. This episode is sponsored by GSK. Here's your host, Dr. Jacob Sands. Welcome to Living Room on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Jacob Sands, and here with me today to examine the role of biologics in the treatment of lupus is Dr. Daniel Arkfeld. Dr. Arkfeld is Professor of Clinical Medicine and Director of Continuing Medical Education at the Keck School of Medicine of USC. Dr. Arkfeld, welcome to the program. Well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. To start us off, Dr. Arkfeld, can you give us a brief overview of the pathophysiology and clinical course of lupus? The pathophysiology relates really to the innate and adaptive immune system. The adaptive immune system produces antibodies, B-cell and T-cells. Both are overproduced. Antibodies trigger a variety of autoimmune disorders, including lupus. Lupus seems to also involve the innate system as well. Toll receptors seem to be very important. A lot of other factors coming out, and there's also been about 100 different genetic susceptibility genes that are being researched as potential factors. It's probably leads to many antibody productions. ANA should universally almost always be positive in lupus. The double-stranded DNA, up to 70% antibody, 30% Smith antibodies. And you get a lot of like the Shogun antibodies, 20 to 30% positivity. So these antibodies are produced in excess. And when they trigger disease for whatever factors, with lack of regulation, too much inflammation, all areas that are being looked into quite a bit. And what happens with these antibodies is they target different parts of the body. And I always try to separate people that have more peripheral lupus with joint pains and fatigue and rashes versus those that have internal organ involvement with more kidney, lung, brain inflammation. So with that background in mind, how do we typically treat lupus and what outcomes can we expect from standard therapies? So lupus has really evolved from controlling their symptoms to really what we're getting into rheumatology, what I like to call treat to target, initially in rheumatoid arthritis, then gout and other disorders. And now it's really being applied to lupus. And the goal really is not to make people feel better, more comfortable, but really let's prevent organ damage in the long run. But then we get into treatment. I think it all starts with hydroxychloroquine. Five milligrams per kilogram is the latest dose recommendation. And I think hydroxychloroquine which targets in the eight system toll receptor seven and nine, is really the backbone of lupus. And probably most lupus patients, unless they have an allergic reaction or an issue with the ice or something, probably should be on hydroxychloroquine therapy. Then it gets into individual problems, more joint pains. We may use a little more methotrexate. Unfortunately, a lot of times these are young females where methotrexate can cause birth defects. And so we really don't use that in that population. Gets into azathioprine, another drug that we commonly use uh, quite a bit. That has a risk of having lymphoma. Also, if you don't check a TPMP before, you can actually drop their counts uh, quite a bit. And then I think there's a whole group of these refractory lupus patients where nothing works, where we use a lot of other agents as well. And then I think biologics, which is the topic of this conversation, start early, but over time, there are spots where we also use them. Now, you've mentioned biologics, so let's dive into that a little bit more. Can you tell us about this class of drugs and what's currently available for lupus? Biologics are used in many specialties. In rheumatology, they really started in the 90s with the advent of TNF blockers for rheumatoid arthritis. But biologics have come out for lupus as well, with two agents currently FDA approved, belimumab and anaphrolimab. We can talk about them in a few details. Belimumab is an anti-bath agent, which affects B cells. And anaphrolimab is a type 1 interferon receptor blocker. So both these are the two FDA approved indications. Belimumab has been out for many years. 
I recently got approval for nephritis, which has been very key. A, being able to have that to class three, four or five lupus nephritis therapy as such. Very effective for joint pains, fatigue, uh, rashes, and other factors in lupus. Anifolumab seems to be very effective, especially for fatigue, energy, not as much for organ involvement at this point. In future studies, we'll see how that goes. For those just tuning in, you're listening to Living Room on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Jacob Sands, and I'm speaking with Dr. Daniel Arkfeld about the role of biologics in the treatment of lupus. So, Dr. Arkfeld, now that we've gone through some of the biologics that are available, how do you determine whether or not this is the right option for your patient? And what are some of the specific things that you focus on in your consideration? Well, I think the key thing in lupus is also following your patient over the long term. It's not like in rheumatology, we can see people every month, every three months, every six months. A patient doing well with lupus, I typically see them every three to four months. Some people say you can go every six months, but I think if you just really want to measure and catch a lupus flare, seeing them in between is good. And usually we're monitoring the blood tests as well as doing the history and physical examination. In the blood tests, we look for complements dropping. The C3 and C4 levels sometimes drop with the flare. And with that, you do have a rise in the double strand of DNA. All of the most worrisome for organ involvement when that happens, and that's something we definitely keep an eye on. The white count can also drop. They get a little more leukopenic. And occasionally, hemolytic anemia can occur. We also monitor the complements, double strand of DNA. We'll also do a CBC to catch those factors, and also a chemistry panel, because we really want to pick up nephritis uh, occurring earlier. And the last thing would be urinalysis, and specifically, we're really monitoring urine ratios for protein quite a bit, trying to get that below 0.5 if at all possible. So we monitor, we're following the patients. Typically, they'll have symptoms occurring before a flare. The only ones that don't really have symptoms sometimes can be kidney or hematological involvement. That's why I like to do the blood tests as well. Typically, a lupus patient will flare in multiple ways, joint pains, rashes, more Raynaud's phenomenon, Mailer rash, oral ulcers. So we have to put our detective hat on and really monitor for flares in these patients. And once you select a biologic, can you talk a bit more about these side effects that you're looking for and how you'd manage those? Side effects really depend on the biologic agent. Most of them are well tolerated. And I separate out the efficacy, like getting them to remission or near remission, really getting the benefit from the biologic that we're looking for, and then dealing with side effects. When you mess with the immune system, the biggest side effect would be infections, which may be shingles, infections, uh, which are high with certain agents, bacterial infections, or viral infections, currently dealing with coronavirus issues. And we worry about that on these patients that they may be more immunosuppressed, possibly needing monoclonal antibodies or the new oral agents that'll be coming out. As such, infection is a big risk with that. And then each specific one, whether we're blocking alpha-1 interferon, we're blocking B cells, T cells, therapies, they all have their own unique set of side effects that we need to monitor for. But the key is really, I think, infections that we worry about. And then certain vaccines, you know, like live vaccines, we shouldn't be used. Some vaccines may not take as well on these things. So we adjust medicines for them as well. So, Dr. Arkfeld, based on your experience, do the outcomes associated with biologic therapy outweigh the risk of the side effects you just mentioned? Yes. I mean, obviously, risk involve an individual and risk can occur with a lot of therapies. Biologic therapies block the immune system. The immune system can trigger infections when it's blocked. And whether it's a viral infection, shingles exacerbation, bacterial infection or other infections, that's probably the main thing that we do worry about. 
immune system does also coordinate a lot of other factors and such, and so many other things are uh, out there. But in general, the risk of a disease with organ damage, especially with the kidney, you know, 50% of lupus patients will develop kidney disease in the course of their disorder. And if they lose nephrons and they end up, as they get older, going on dialysis or renal transplant, we're really trying to avoid that. Biologics are amazing in helping us reduce that risk and I think are really necessary at this time. So this is all includes a discussion with the patient, the risk benefit, focusing in on the risk, but also on the potential benefits and coming up to an agreed upon decision on which route we should go, whether it be using drug X, Y, or Z or biologic A or B and really custom tailoring a treatment course for each patient. Now, we're almost out of time, but before we close, Dr. Arkfeld, any other final takeaways or forward-looking comments you'd like to make for our audience? Well, I think the rheumatology community, when they start seeing these new recommendations, they're going to realize that, wow, we're being way more aggressive with lupus. We're really targeting, let's just try to eliminate as much as we can this disorder. We're hopefully improving our outcomes, preventing kidney damage, loss of nephrons is our goal preventing dialysis in the long run, if at all possible, whether it's lung involvement, heart, you know, pericarditis, whatever. Each treatment is approached differently. It makes rheumatology a fascinating field to participate in. But I think it's also one that, you know, you definitely have to be looking at the whole from head to toe because it can affect anywhere in their body and not to just fixate on the blood or the kidneys or whatever with these patients. Be open-minded, work with them, see them, have the patients let us know when they think they're flaring or they're having symptoms, and see the patients and reassess at that standpoint. So I think it's really the physician-patient relationship for treatment, for risk-benefit discussions, but also to make sure that they're doing the right thing as much as possible is really our goal in rheumatology. Well, with those final thoughts in mind, I want to thank my guest, Dr. Daniel Arkfeld, for sharing his perspective on the role of biologics in the treatment of lupus. Dr. Arkfeld, wonderful speaking with you today. Well, thank you very much for this opportunity. This episode of Living Room was sponsored by GSK. To access this and other episodes in this series, visit ReachMD.com slash Living Room, where you can be part of the knowledge. Thanks for listening.